We're uh, getting over Thanksgiving, and now we get to head into Christmas. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to look at some eyewitness accounts of Christmas. Today, we're going to look at Mary. And Mary was the, a unique individual in that she's the only person who was witness to Jesus' birth, his crucifixion, and his uh, resurrection, all. And so kind of makes her uh, an, an interesting person to talk about. So we're going to talk about Mary today. If you want to look in your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Um, Christmas is sometimes a time where we ask the why me question. Um, as a dad of daughters, um, when you buy boys gifts for Christmas, it's like a ball, right? You buy them a basketball, you roll it to them, you're done. Um, with girls, um, I remember my kids were little, they, they, we would buy them the, like the, Barbie, uh, the Barbie carriage or the, you know, something and and on the box it would say, some assembly required. And what some assembly required means is that you need a PhD in uh, physical engineering to actually put this stuff together. And I remember thinking to myself, why me? I don't have a boy where I could just roll him a ball and call it a day. I have to put this thing together. Uh, sometimes we ask the why me question with stuff like, uh, you at work we're going to get a Christmas uh, cash bonus, which is always great, the cash bonus. But this year, uh, the boss decided it would be great to get you a subscription to the Fruitcake of the Month uh, Club. And so, why me? And then sometimes we ask, why not me? You know, you show up at a party and, and I mean, you're, you're, not the, you're not GQ, you're not the best looking dude in the world, but, but this homely looking dude comes in and he's got a Giselle clone and it's like, why not me? You know, that kind of, or, or you're at the party and ladies, you're talking to a, a, an, another lady, you don't know her, she's, you know, 5'9 and she's a size 6 and her favorite foods are a chicken fried steak and cheesecake and she says something like, I just can't gain weight. And you say to yourself, why not me? Okay. Well, today we're going to talk about why Mary. Why was she chosen to be used? Because honestly, just to be honest with you, she, there's really nothing special about Mary. Now, the, the, the argument, there's kind of two camps on this. There, there are certain people who kind of magnify Mary. And, and there's even this theology that's out there that uh, she should be venerated and prayed to. And there's no one in the Bible that talks about that. And then there are other people that sort of minimize her. So they magnify her or they minimize her. And the minimizing crowd, it's like, you know, she's just a character in the, in the nativity scene. And, and really it's somewhere in the middle. So let's talk about how God used a pretty ordinary girl. And by the way, she's from a town called Nazareth, which is a podunk little nothing town in Israel. And we were trying to think of podunk little towns in South Carolina. Uh, you have any that come to mind, podunk towns around here? Uh, you can talk now. This is uh, really, you usually can't talk, but right now you can talk. Podunk towns in South Carolina. Greer, okay, thank you. What? Is that in South Carolina? Is it a real place? Oh, great, okay. Pumpkin town, that's kind of podunky. Tudor town, also podunky, yes. When we go to Pumpkin Town, we always sing, Won't you take me to? Because uh, that just makes sense for us. Um, in Kentucky, uh, we have Podunk Towns. Um, we live near Junction City. That was really, that's where, <laughs> I was going to say that's where all the rednecks live, but that, that's everywhere. Uh, so it really is, they're all over the place. Mary's from this little Podunk, nothing town called Nazareth. So she wasn't like well established, she wasn't in a well established family. And yet, for some reason, God chose 
to use her. And so we're going to look at it today because here's what's really cool. One of the most exciting truths of Scripture is that it's possible to be used by God and you don't have to be extraordinary for God to use you. So let's kind of dive into the text and we're going to see why was Mary used. The angel went to her, went to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Time out, by the way. We get this misunderstanding of angels sometimes. Like, if you were to see an angel, you'd think, you know, like it's kind of going to be chill and it's not going to be um, a big deal. Every time I can remember an encounter with an angel that's discussed in Scripture, there's always fear that goes with it. The people that encounter an angel are always scared out of their minds. Here, look at what it says. Mary was greatly troubled. Um, The word literally means she was terrified. You encounter an angel. Angels are, you know, they're sort of different kind of beings, and we're not accustomed to seeing angels. And so Mary has this visitation from an angel, and the angel says, greetings, (laughs) like like we're buddies, like, hey, let's bump. Uh, You know, greetings to you. Um, who are highly favored. The Lord is with you, and Mary's greatly troubled at his words and wondering what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. And I want you to notice that the word favor is used a couple of times here. What, what does it mean to be favored by God? And what does it mean to be favored? I, I mean, you have to kind of think that through. And I began to, who do I favor? What kind of people do I want to be around? And and, and really, you favor people that favor you. You want to be around people that want to be around you. And so uh, Thanksgiving was probably a, an opportunity for you to get with people that want to be with you. And so uh, we drove to Kentucky, and, and um, um, our daughters, our daughters that don't live here, we have one, obviously, that lives with us, but there are three that live away. One's in Knoxville, one's in uh, Cincinnati, and one's up in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And they all came down to my mom's house. And there's something about being in a room with people that you favor. We just wanted to be with them. That's why we invited them, because we wanted them to be around. Uh, one of them brought her boyfriend. That wasn't great. Uh, but uh, 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 I'm just teasing. He's, he's good. He's a good guy. Uh, but but we, you favor people that favor you. And what's really interesting here is it says that not only was she favored, but that she was highly favored, which is really interesting language. Now, One would think, if God highly favors me, that means I'm probably going to have it easy. Which is absolutely not what happens with Mary. She's asked to do a very difficult thing. We'll get back to that in just a second. So, I began to think, okay, are there any other verses that talk about being favored? And in Isaiah, it talks, it's kind of like God talking. He says, these are the ones I look on with favor. Well, great, Well, who who are they? Those who are humble, we kind of understand humble. Uh, those who are contrite in spirit and those who tremble at my word. And I, I, I thought, okay, what is, what's the word contrite mean? Well, all right, so I, I came up with this illustration. You're going to like this. Let's say you see this. And some of you have seen this. And you're caught dead, dead to rights. He, he, he gets you, you're going too fast, and they pull you over. Usually these are teams, and this guy will catch you, and the other guy will pull you over. So you get pulled over, and he walks up, or she walks up to the window. Now, now you have an opportunity to know if you're contrite or not. Do you make excuses? 
Uh, are you sure you've calibrated your radar gun? You know, uh, uh, I just waxed my car. I didn't know how fast I was going. I mean, there's stuff you could say. Um, for a preacher, I was headed to a funeral. You know, uh, um, dead people won't wait. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, you, you might make an excuse or, or you're contrite and you just sort of fess up and you throw yourself on the mercy of the, of the officer. I, I read this one. Um, uh, one of the best excuses, it's a, a the police officer's name is Billy Graves. It's from Lafayette, Tennessee. And this is what he writes. I stopped a 17-year-old who was going 25 miles an hour over the speed limit. When I asked him why he was going so fast, he looked at me dead in the eye and he said, because I'm just all kinds of stupid. <laughs> and Graves said, I let him go with a warning. I mean, it's like, okay, I'm going to give that a go next time. Here's another one, and it really didn't have anything to do with being contrite, but I thought it was cute. Uh, um, this is Scott Russell from Olath, Kansas. Olath, O-L-A-T-H-E. How do you say that? You don't know. You ain't from Kansas. All right. Uh, Scott Russell says this. I stopped a lady who was crying when I walked up to the window. I asked her what the problem was. She said she had gone shopping for the first time after having a baby and nothing fit right. I handed her her license back and slowly walked away. <laughs> nothing good was going to come from this, he says. So uh, maybe that's another uh, good excuse. Um, a contrite heart, when he says a contrite heart, he's talking about someone who is simply honest with themselves. Hey, you caught me. Um, if, you, if you could see your way clear to letting me go here, that would be great. If not, I understand. I'm going to be contrite. I'm, I'm not going to try to schmooze my way out of this. I'm not going to fib or lie or excuse. I'm just going to be honest with myself. And then it says this interesting thing. Someone who trembles at God's word. And basically to tremble at God's word means I'm going to hear it and I'm going to believe it and I'm going to obey it even if I don't understand it. And I'm, that's what it, when I read God's word, sometimes we get different messages. Like from our surroundings, from our society, we might get messages that contradict scripture. And to tremble at God's word simply means I'm going to believe what God says, I'm going to, I'm going to believe it, I'm going to hear it, I'm going to obey it, even if it's contradictory to everything else other people say. I'm going to do what God's Word says. That's what it means to tremble at God's Word. It just simply means I'm going to respect it and do what God says. So, what does it take if you want to be used by God? And I'm not assuming everybody does, because as we saw with Mary, when God chooses to use you, He might ask you to do something difficult. But if you're willing to do that, what does it look like? What does it take for God to use you? Well, the first thing is you have to be humble. Mary, was, Mary wasn't chosen because she was wealthy. In fact, we know that she was really poor. In, in that era, I'm a dad of daughters. What would happen is, as a dad of daughters, there would be boys who needed to be married or wanted to be married, and the father of the son would come to me as the father of the daughter, and we would enter a a conversation, a negotiation, and there would be something called a bride price. And, and I would set the price for my daughter, and they would have to pay it, and then the, to pay me to have the privilege of maybe marrying one of my girls. I think, by the way, uh, we should reinstitute that. Uh, I really like the notion of that, and I need to get paid. Uh, so uh, um, that makes sense to me. So, so Mary, she basically had been, she was engaged to Joseph, who wasn't wealthy, I mean, the bride price, look, excuse me, <coughs> the bride price was probably low. They were from a poor community. 
They didn't have much. In fact, when Jesus was born, you had to, anytime a, a son was born, you had to make an offering at the temple. Well, they went to make an offering. The, the, the normal offering was a lamb, which was a little bit expensive. There was a concession made for people who were really, really poor. And if you were really poor, you could offer two doves or two pigeons. And they offered the offering of poor people when Jesus was, was dedicated at the temple. They were poor. So she wasn't chosen because she was wealthy. And she certainly wasn't chosen because she was connected. I mean, it's not like she was a princess or she was, you know, related to the king. She was a nobody as far as we don't know who her parents were. We don't know anything about her heritage. There's just nothing to know. She's not connected. She wouldn't have been well-educated simply because girls in that era weren't well-educated. It just wasn't how it worked. Now, what's interesting about Mary is later on she writes a song or she sings a song and she quotes a lot of scripture, so it's likely that she understood the Bible and knew the Bible really well, but it's unlikely that she was super well educated, and she wasn't very old. She was, most scholars believe, about 16 years old when Jesus was born to her. Think about from her perspective. You're a little Jewish young woman. You, uh, you live in a little town called Nazareth. Um, you're engaged to be married to a good old boy named Joe, and you think about your life, what's your life going to be like, and, and Joe's going to set you up a house, and you all are going to get married, and, and you're going to have kids because Jewish women were sort of, uh, they were approved or disapproved by how many children they had, and, and honestly how many sons they had, and you're going to have kids, and that was running through her mind, this is what life was going to be like, and all of a sudden she has this visitation from an angel who says to her, um, God wants you to do something. And, and the beautiful thing about it is, humility and, and contrition are a lot alike. Humility is a kind of an understanding of, of who you are. Look, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, she was a sinner. It, it, she understood her position. We also understand that without God we can do nothing. And so she was humble that way. I read a, a cute little story about this, this, uh, this picture. It was taken back in 93. It was kind of a slow news day. It was in uh, Delaware, the Delaware News Journal. Uh, the guy got out. He, he sees this. He's driving down the road. He sees this. He snaps a picture. They put it in the newspaper with the headline, Oh, Christmas Weed. That was kind of, and they wrote a little poem around it, and everybody thought it was cute. This little tree, this little weed, started growing up in the crack in the pavement and so somebody had come along and put some ornaments on it and some tinsel and and so they made a big deal about it well uh, the department of transportation saw this article and they didn't like it and so they went and cut the little tree down which is kind of like what what harm was the little tree doing so uh, as we americans are wont to do there was a bit of a rebellion against that and so they erected another little tree in a pot uh, the next day Kind of like this, kind of like the Charlie Brown little Christmas tree. Put a couple of ornaments on it, and it falls over. Well, that one was stolen, and subsequently eight other trees were stolen. And eventually, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Delaware news people, they set up a guard around the Christmas weed. And then it gets worse. They decided to have a parade, a Christmas weed parade that they still have in Claymont, Delaware. You go today, they still have the Christmas weed parade. Now, this is what the organizer of the parade says. It represents Claymont, this Christmas weed parade. We're not pretty, 
but we're plucky. <laughs> um, we are resilient, and we keep coming back. And I looked that word up because plucky is not a word I use very much. And to be plucky means that you show courage in trying circumstances. Well, that kind of describes Mary. She was willing to enter a trying circumstance, and she had a great spirit through it. And at the end of this, or, or as, you know, as she, at the end of this encounter, she sings this song, and she sings, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. I think she was surprised that God would use her. There's nothing like being used by God. Occasionally you'll have that experience in your life if you're willing. And sometimes it means that you give to somebody that maybe you don't have, but you give anyway, and it means a lot to them. And It can take a lot of different forms, but usually it ends up something like this. We, we are surprised. I mean, Mary here sounds like she's surprised that God can even use her. That's humility. The second thing that you see is that she's trustful. It's not a word we typically use, another kind of odd word or a different word or an uncommon word. Trustful, pretty easy to define. In fact, I'm going to let you define it for me. Uh, trustful means being full of trust. That's right. She trusted. When God said that he was going to do something, he did it. Now, remember, it says that she was greatly troubled. She was petrified. And look at the, the angel's response to her is, Do not be afraid. Because she was going to be asked to do something, again, incredibly difficult. She was favored. You'd think it was going to be easy. Well, it's not easy. There's some people that teach, well, if God favors you, you're going to have health and wealth and all good. And it's simply not the case. Mary was highly favored and yet asked to do something difficult. Perhaps her fear was simply at the appearance of the angel. We don't know. But over and over in Scripture, when God asks us to do something, He will tell us to not be afraid. You have Joshua, and he's about to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And Joshua gives this speech to his people, and he says, Be strong and courageous. I, I, it's like a coach uh, who's, uh, uh, who's at halftime telling his team, Hey, we're, we're almost there. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then Jesus says this, uh, the night he was betrayed, he gets with his followers and he says, Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Over and over in Scripture, God challenges us to do something great and then he tells us not to be afraid. Isaiah uh, records God saying to us, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Over and over and over. We have to fight our fears in order to accomplish great things. We have to be full of trust. Mary got over her fears. She had the fear of change. Think about the change that was coming upon her life. 16-year-old girl, never been with a man. All of a sudden, she's going to have a baby. Now she's going to talk about that. And there are going to be people who I would think probably think she's insane. I mean, just think about it. She's going to say that this child is God's child. If you heard that, you would think they were insane because that just doesn't happen. And she's in for big Changes. By the way, when she committed to doing this, when she said, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, she commits without the commitment of Joseph to her yet. 
She has no guarantee Joseph's going to come along for the ride. And he does. He should be honored for that. But she didn't know that. She was willing to go this thing alone. You talk about change. She was willing to be the mother of God's son by herself if she had to. She was willing to be criticized for that. And you know, she was going to be criticized for that. In fact, I guarantee you she was criticized for that. That was a little town. You know what happens in little towns? Everybody knows your business. Everybody. I'm from a little town. Everybody knew our business. We just know how it is. Everybody would have known that she got pregnant before she was married. Everybody would have known that. It doesn't take great um, calculating skills to figure out if you have the baby uh, so many months after the wedding, uh, that probably isn't his baby. Or they got together before they were married. She was going to be criticized. There's the fear of the supernatural. We already saw that she was afraid. And listen, this was a big deal. And it is sometimes ominous and scary. And then there's the fear of being inadequate. And I would suspect that Mary, when she just said, he has been mindful of my humble estate. Who am I? But God has proven that he will use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. You see it, again, over and over in Scripture. Uh, you, you have Moses. Now Moses, yes, he was born to a, a, a little Jewish family. and Yes, he was raised in Pharaoh's court, but the Bible tells us that he had a speech impediment. It's likely that he was a stutterer when God said, hey, I want you to do this for me. He was like, I don't think I really want to do that. And yet he humbled himself and was, be, uh, was willing to be used by God to do great things. Joseph in the Old Testament... He was an egomaniac. He talked to his brothers about how they were going to serve him someday. Everybody's mad at him. He eventually is humbled and humbles himself and doesn't give in to temptation. And God is able to use him in a great way. You have Simon Peter in the New Testament. He was a fisherman. Fishermen didn't lead things. They just didn't. He was common, ordinary people. He, he wasn't super educated because he wouldn't have been as a fisherman. And yet, Jesus chose him. And Peter was one of the uh, great leaders in the early church. We see that over and over in Scripture. You do not have to be spectacular for God to use you. He has chosen and proven that he will use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant and I am willing to do what." Ever he wants, which leads me to the third point, and that's this. We have to be willing. There's a difference between, if you are selling a car, there's a difference between somebody who comes and just looks and somebody who's willing to buy. I've sold a few cars in my life, and I, there, sometimes people come and they look at it, and you know when they walk up they're not really interested. And there are some people who come and, and they're 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 serious they're going to buy you you know or at least they're willing to buy here's what we have a tendency to do we'll pray kind of this prayer lord i'm willing to do whatever you want and then we add a little parentheses if i think i can do it or if i want to do it or if it's not too hard yeah i'm willing to do whatever you want me to do if i think i can do it or if I want to. That's not what Mary says here. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, no matter what it is. See, she heard the Word of God. She believed the Word of God. She obeyed the Word of God. 
Remember, that's what it was to tremble at the word of God. She heard it, believed it, and obeyed it. And she was just willing to do whatever he said, even if it was going to be quite difficult. And here's what you've got to understand. It is likely to cost you something to do whatever God wants you to do. Jesus, he didn't like not tell us this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. And denying yourself is a big ask, especially in our society. We're not good self-deniers. We're really good at indulging. If it's denying or indulging, we typically choose indulging. We have snooze buttons on our phones when we, and our alarm clocks because we really don't want to deny ourselves more sleep. We'd like to indulge ourselves. We have fast food mostly because we don't want to deny ourselves. We want to indulge ourselves. We have words around this. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. That's not denial language. That's indulgence language. We, we say things like, um, uh, if it feels good, do it. That's not denying language. That's indulgent language. Buy, now, pay, later. It's not denying language. It's indulging language. To deny oneself means it's going to cost you something. This cost Mary something. I mean, it really did cost her something. It cost her her reputation. And then there's Joseph. Bless his heart. Have you been around men? You know how we tease each other? Can you imagine the men teasing Joseph? I was at Thanksgiving, and one of my buddies says, Hey, you got something on your chin. Third one down. That, that's, uh, that's what men do. That's funny. Come on, that's a good one right there. Uh, that's what men do. We tease each other. Can you imagine the grief Joseph caught for this? Well, sure. It cost her her comforts. I mean, I've never actually been pregnant, but I've been around a pregnant woman four times. She tells me it's uncomfortable. I mean, how bad can it be? But uh, she tells me it's pretty uncomfortable. And then there's the whole deal of having to travel with a pregnant woman. Have you ever done that? Well, Mary had to travel from Nazareth to Jerusalem. That's quite a trip, especially um, when you're pregnant, when you're really pregnant. It's hard to travel. She gave up the comfort of having her child in her own home. She had a child in a cave that was where animals lived. Not comfortable, not comfortable, not comfortable. All those things. And yet Mary responded with enthusiasm. She said, my soul glorifies the Lord. The word enthusiasm comes from two words. In theos, uh, two Greek words. Would you like to know what the word in means? In. Uh, yes, it does. Theos means God. So to be enthusiastic means you're in God. And so here she is, and she is enthusiastic and she's in it for the long haul when she says, I'm willing to do whatever, whatever God wants. It, it didn't say unless I don't like it or unless it gets really, really tough or unless I get really uncomfortable because she, it got tough and it got uncomfortable. She was willing to go the distance. I heard a cute little story about a boy, first day of school. His mom had to kind of talk him into it, you know. Uh, so she bought him some clothes and new clothes and told him about all the friends he was going to make and all the stuff he was going to learn. And he goes to school and he has a great experience. And the next morning, uh, she wakes him up and he's like, well, why am I getting up today? And she said, well, we're going back to school today. He said, wait, again today? It's like, yes, it's every day. And when we commit to Jesus, it's every day. It's not just once. And it's, when we say we'll do anything you ask, it means we'll do anything. 
and we're going to stay in there. And if it gets tough, we're going to believe that you're going to be with us. In fact, David wrote it this way, I desire to do your will. I desire to do your will. Let me end with a story. There's a guy named Paul Richardson. He talks about going to the Christmas tree store, and we have those all around here, so you all know what that looks like. He, uh, it was his, his, he and his wife's second Christmas together. And so they decided to forego putting up the uh, fake tree. They had bought one at, at you know, Home Depot. or some, Actually, it was like at Goodwill, so some of the stuff wasn't there. And uh, so he, they didn't like that too much. They were going to buy their own real Christmas tree. And they bought a stand, and they found what they called the perfect Christmas tree. It was perfect. So they strap it to the top of the car. They take it home. They put it in the stand, and it falls over. Now, he's thinking, well, I've never done this before. Maybe it's uh, operator error. So they shift it around, they put it back up, it falls over. Third time it fell over, it broke the stand. He went and got another stand. They put it in, you know, it's like maybe the stand's defaulted. So they put it in the stand and it, it falls over. He never could get it to not fall over. And then he looked at it. Now, the reason they bought it was it was perfectly shaped. It had a wide base and it was narrow at the top. And they, they just thought, oh, it was perfect, except the only problem was... The bottom was great, and the top was great. The bottom was straight, and the top was straight. The middle was wonky, and it threw it off balance, and it was twisted and weird. And, and so when he started to look at it, it's like, well, this tree is weird. It's not, it's not what I thought it was. It can't stand on its own, and we can't stand on our own. And if you think that God will say, hey, I need you to do something, and you've got to do it all on your own, that's not what he's going to ask us to do. He'll never ask us to do it all on our own. In fact, the word, the word Jesus, I really went too far. Wow. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The angel was saying to Mary, God has a task for you to do because you're highly favored. And God will be with you in doing it. And God will say to you, I've got a task for you to do because you're highly favored. And I'll be with you while you do it. It might be really difficult. So the question is this that we're going to end with. If I can get it to stop. You are, are you willing to do whatever the Lord asks? Are you willing to do? Because Mary was, and she is uh, well known. But what if, what if you never get known? Are you willing to do whatever God asks you to do, even if nobody ever knows or nobody ever sees? Because doing what God asks you to do is the only way to live life to its fullest just really is it's the only way to get the most out of life so i'm going to challenge you to pray the prayer that mary was able willing to pray i am willing to do whatever he asks me to do let's pray father we know you love us we know that jesus died for us so we've been chosen and we know that you have things for us to do Help us to be willing to do it, even if it's difficult. Help us to be willing to do whatever you ask us to do, even if it's going to cost us. Lord, help us to be willing to do whatever you want us to do, knowing that you're going to walk through it with us. Help us to open our hearts. This is a season, and there's going to be a lot of moving parts and a lot of things going on. Help us to slow down long enough to pray the prayer God, I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to do, even if it's difficult, even if it costs, I'm going to be willing to do it. Help us, Lord, to be like that.
to be your people that are willing to do what you want us to do. We ask this and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.